So there were days where I'd take my 15, go upstairs and be like, oh, second quarter just started. I'm going to be up here for an hour. And it was it was Shopco, which I don't know about your Shopco. Nobody went to our Shopco. We had a Target and a Walmart and grocery stores and then outdoors. We had everything else. Yeah, the Shopco really slowed down once the Target went in across town. Yeah. And so there was no they, they wouldn't notice that I was up in the break room for an hour. Uh, and I was 15. I didn't, I had no concept or interest in. <laughs> doing it i was just like, i'm gonna sit up here until somebody tells me i gotta go downstairs and nobody ever came and i would just sure. sit up there until i started to feel bad about my friends that were working downstairs sometimes we take them together and we just spend nobody on the floor of the shopco for an hour just sitting up there just watching football eating vending machine snacks yeah I was not cut out for customer facing retail. I worked my longest job in high school was at McDonald's. Mm. And I liked that because they paid the most. Their schedule was the most flexible because they had the most employees of all the places in the area. And they let teenagers smoke in the break room. I, I, I like the idea of like a sort of almost supernatural class of person who is you know, gifted with like skills beyond our, our, uh, our comprehension that also is just sort of a guy you don't like, because like, I think that there's, there's a, there's a good, there's a good plot device in that, that, that says yeah. something, you know, I think about how we treat any sort of specialized labor. I like that a lot. And any, any amount that the plot fainted towards that, I would, I liked. And then it was all about like, well, the wild hunt is coming. Like, who cares about the ghost pirates? Uh, they, look not interesting. they look stupid. Yeah. <laughs> this is Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. It is the best podcast about the Green Bay Packers. I'm assuming some of video game chat is going to end up at the front of this. I'm Mike. I'm in South Bend, Indiana, not in my beautiful South Side of State. Unfortunately, that's Matt. He is in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, fortunately, I think, on that side. Um, icebreaker question today. I thought of this uh, just now. What is the best Halloween costume you've ever done? Oh, man. Um, I'm not really a Halloween costume guy. I'm going to Shaggy uh, this year. Uh, and it's the only accent or uh, performance that I can do. Impersonation. Thank you. That's okay. the word. Um, and I don't do it super well, but I, I can do it. And I can do one line of it, which is, Oink, Oink, Scoob. We got to get out of here, man. Oh, that's fine. You'll do, that's totally just passable. Fine. Yeah. Totally passable. Um, that's that's all I can do. I can't. If you want me to say anything else, I can't do that. Um, my Shaggy sometimes veers very close to Jerry Seinfeld. Um, and my Jerry Seinfeld often veers very close to Shaggy. Uh, that's probably the best that I have. I've ever done. Um, I don't think I dressed up through college. I don't think okay. I ever did a costume in college and in high school. I I went as the sheet ghost in like 20 sure so i i cut some eye holes in sheets and that was my costume for a year and i think i was a sophomore um that's the last uh i can remember i was a i was a i was a football player or a uh a baseball player 
every year as a kid. That would do it. One of the first costumes I remember as a kid was I I dressed up as a punk rocker with like, you know, uh, know, just temporary dye in my hair and like a ripped up jean jacket. And that, yeah, that was a, that was a kid costume. Uh, In college, Amy and I had a couple's costume. Uh, We went as the Spanish Inquisition. Hell yeah. Yeah. That, that one worked. uh, That one worked pretty good. What'd you, what'd you wear? I wore the Cardinals outfit and she was the, uh, the, the peasant that I was, I was leading to the inquisition. <laughs> All right. Pretty good. Yeah. Not bad. That, that one good. was not bad. And, uh, since then it's been, uh, you know, been a little bit of the, the, the Halloween energy dissipates after, after a certain while. So that's been, it's been a minute since a, uh, since you get Halloween costume, but Halloween's on Monday. I, I love my neighborhood for Halloween because there's a ton of young kids in my neighborhood. Uh, Chicago is way better than the suburbs who are like now trick or treating is not going to be on Halloween. It's going to be on Sunday and it will happen between the hours of 2 PM and 6 PM in the evening. And all the costumes need to have a fully, <laughs> they do that thing in Chicago's like, Go out after it gets dark and get candy from the neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm off on Monday. I am. Uh, I, I bought two very large pumpkins from the grocery store. Uh, Amy and I are going to uh, going to carve pumpkins, and we're going to set them out with uh, with candles in them, and we're going to hand out a, a big bag of candy to the kids on Halloween night. And that's uh, that's how I enjoy doing it now. One of my favorite Halloween memories. I was in college, and I bought a bag of candy to give out to the kids since I really wanted to that year. And no one showed up because I was, of course, thinking that it was going to be like uh, the little town I grew up in where there's Halloween rules. But, of course, no one shows up because it's still light out on Halloween day. And so I have to go somewhere. And so I've got like this bag of candy. I was just going to leave it on the porch. And like these two kids in Halloween costumes walk by and they're like, hey, mister, you got any candy? And I chucked the entire bag (laughs) full and unopened at them. They're like, are you serious? Like. Yeah, man, it's yours. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best day of their life. They yeah. remember that. Yeah, I know they do. <laughs> uh, so uh, that that's a. It's kind of my favorite adult Halloween memory is because uh, they were like walking away, like talking like sotto voce. Like, Can you believe this just happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I was in Chicago, we we set up shop on the front steps. Uh, my roommate and his girlfriend at the time and I. Um, set up shop on the front steps and we didn't get a trick-or-treater the whole night. Um, and then, uh, last year I was working at the, uh, I was working at my store, uh, in the West village and, and nobody came by. Um, so this year we got a, we got a big bag of, uh, grape Tootsie rolls that we'll hand out if anyone shows up and otherwise we're preparing to eat the whole two pound bag ourselves. And that's a, that's a good Halloween candy. Those, those flavored Tootsie rolls. I don't know about grape, especially, but you get the vanilla and the orange. I mean, I'm a fake orange flavor guy, personally. I, I love I love fake orange. I love fake grape. I will say the only reason we got grape is it was the only one that was on Staples.com, which our company pays for. <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, so that we're limited in what we can get in Tootsie Roll flavors. Um, I think the Tootsie Roll is a great one. It's it's simple. You can get a handful of them. Little kids are excited because they just got 15 candies. They don't know. They don't really wrap their heads heads around size or like tummy fillingness. It's just like quantity. Um, so they get a bunch of them. 
no allergens, no no allergies really. Oh yeah, sure. Rolls, which is kind of our thing in a in a retail space of like we don't want to kill anyone. Um, if you're an independent citizen, hand out those peanuts, baby. Who's gonna sue you? How are they gonna track it to you? Uh, <laughs> as a corporation, they can track us down. Uh, so we're we're doing those because they're simple, easy. Kids like a lot of things. They'll be fine. Yeah, I, I love Halloween. It's a it's a nice low low stakes holiday, and I'm I have a a sister in law on on Amy's side of the family that every piece of deck decor in her house, so like everything everything more minor than the actual furniture, gets swapped out for the Halloween season. And she is all about it. I don't go that far, but all the same, like it's a great low stakes holiday. You don't do much. But the return on it is pretty good because like there's, you know, it is the right time for a little spooky feeling. I, I love, I love just Halloween. I think is, is, you know, I don't, I'm not a big costume guy. I can get into it when the occasion you know calls for it. I'll wear my costume to work. I've got a green shirt. I've got brown pants. Easy. Um, but I love Halloween because it's the changing of the seasons. It, it's a little bit colder. It's not full winter yet, but like it's chilly out. Um, my my favorite part about Halloween is just the weather around it, and like the the leaves are falling down. It's a little bit spooky. I love I love Amy's sister's house when it's somebody that I'm visiting. Yeah, I could never do that to my own house. Oh yeah, she throws like a wild a wild Halloween party every year. We've gone a couple of times. Actually, that was uh that was uh, that was the other couple's costume that amy and i did um you you've met amy she's got the yes. expressive she's got the expressive eyebrows and mm-hmm. so she went as groucho and i went as harpo Marx. <laughs> <laughs> yeah good yeah good. yeah that's a that was that was a fun one because she could pretty much just uh you know she <laughs> she didn't even have to put the fake eyebrows on she just do like the double eyebrow tap at people with the with the cigar and the glasses it was perfect i can't uh, do it that was that was a fantastic Halloween costume. This podcast is ostensibly about the Green Bay Packers. Matt, they made it three in a row in the in the wrong direction uh, back on Sunday on the road at Washington. The 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 Commanders took it right to them, man. And this is this is kind of where I want to start with this this episode is that for the third week in a row a team that I would not consider to be great has come out and just punched Green Bay in the fucking face. Yeah. And Green Bay has not had an answer for that. And in all three games, you have a team that has come out and just played a more physical, a more aggressive and more organized game than Green Bay did and won. And, I don't want to take anything away from this competition, but this is this is basic stuff for Green Bay, and it's just not happening right now. The Packers have looked bad for three weeks in a row. They've looked dreadful in three weeks in a row. It's it's they're jumping out to an early lead and and just fading, not even towards the end. It's like a fading before halftime. It's a fading for three quarters of it. Uh, they get out to a 14-3 lead in this one and uh and blow it. Um just like overall execution, play calling struggles, drops, 
quarterback play. It's just it was just a a mess all around. I I I think uh, pretty truly the the swing was the Eric Stokes illegal contact or defensive holding call on the scoop and score fumble. Yeah, that was that was it. Just, the wheels fell off right there. Yeah, that was that was it. And and just for for Packers fans out there, like that was a terrible call. That was absolutely, absolutely. that was complete basura. Throw that in the trash. But all the same, like that is going to happen. Like there's, I've I've never bought into the idea that the uh, the refs somehow protect Green Bay because the refs suck. They're not good enough to protect anyone. <laughs> that's 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 my analysis of the referees is that they're too bad to uh, to to even like shave points or anything. Yeah, anything shady like that, they're not qualified to do that. They're they not, wouldn't they, know how. They're part-time employees. They don't. They don't have the time to learn how to do that. They. Yeah. <laughs> they're not. They they show up on Sunday to work, and that's about it. Um. Yeah. It's it's. I I heard it on the Brett Coleman, uh, bootleg football podcast this week, and you know, Brett Coleman's really really good. Uh, but. Uh, they were talking about like, you know, Rogers used to get the calls, but now he's not good enough. So he doesn't get the calls. And I would like to say patently false. Um, Rogers doesn't get the calls. I don't think anybody, it's not the NBA, you know, like Tom Brady maneuvers a couple calls out of guys every once in a while, but it's not the way that LeBron James is able to draw calls or Kobe Bryant was able to draw calls or somebody in the NBA can get the call that just doesn't happen in the nfl they're just bad in yeah. general and make bad calls all of the time uh, and you remember when you don't like what the call was because it went against your team uh and i yeah the the, the stokes call is bad it's six yeah. yards instead of five and it's barely any contact and the ball wasn't even wasn't being thrown his way wasn't being looked that way it's ticky tack and so close to the five yard line, but Hey man, you, you still got to play. And it's not like that touchdown would have sealed it for this Packers team. No, absolutely they, not. They were up three scores in the giants and still blew it. It uh, One more touchdown wouldn't have done anything for this team to make it a, a runaway. We hand the ball off to AJ Dillon. We get out of here type of game. It still would have been a game that was in danger of a backup quarterback playing for one of the worst teams in football, he still would have had a chance to take the commanders to a win here. It, backers are just not playing well. No, they're, they're playing really poorly. That was, that was an odd moment. You're absolutely right. That was the turning point of the game. I want to point out that the, uh, the commentary at that point talked about how illegal contact was a point of emphasis going into the season for the referees and, this is one of those things where I just throw my hands up in the air and go like, oh, the referees think the referees should be more involved with the game. I see. Good. Yeah, that's good for them. I can't say that I agree. I think uh, I think last year when they were, they were talking about the breakdown, the actual statistical breakdown of how many illegal contact penalties were called yearly. And uh, last year's season was a all time low, really, since the uh, the illegal contact era began. And I thought that was great. I can't believe that the referees look at that situation and go, you know what? We got to fix this. It's I, I think about it in terms of, of baseball umpiring. You know, there's a lot of gripes that people have with baseball umps, but I think that there's one thing 
that having a human ump does is they stay like conflict avoidant, right? It's 3-0. Zone gets a little bit bigger because they don't want to be the one to make the call to put mm-hmm. somebody on first base. They want the players to make a play. It's 0-2. Zone gets a little bit smaller. They want the pl- the, the batter to stay in this count. The at-bat to stay alive. And sure, if you're like, yeah, well, there's a, there is a strike zone. It needs to be this. If it's outside, whatever. We want to see the players play. I don't, I don't want to see a referee involved in this. That, that calls ticky tack. I want to see them play football in, you know, like, sure. We need to stop a full on tackle 15 yards down the field when the ball is in the air. Totally. But like, man, that's hardly even impeded his route. That didn't really do much of anything. Just stay out of the way. Let's, yeah, I'm I'm tempted play to play out. Yeah, I'm tempted to reference the old Supreme Court decision about uh, pornography, in that uh, the the ruling was essentially you know it when you see it. That might mm-hmm. not have been the Supreme Court. I'm making up history right now. But you know the idea That's was fine. that like there are certain things in the world where if you see it, you'll know that you're seeing it, even before you know you might have had any real experience with it. There are certain things where you see it and you go, yeah, oh, well, that's what that is. Okay, yeah. Uh, and I think that you know that that type of penalty, you know, deal a a defender on a receiver before the ball has thrown outside of 5 yards like I think if you actually just gave the refs the discretion to call that as they felt like it, you would see statistics like last year where it was at an all-time minimum and that it's it's a penalty that will get called, you will get flagged for it but you have to do something in order to actually get that flag instead of, instead you have the referees looking like, Oh, are these guys in contact with each other? Like frequently? Yes. Totally. It's also like, did maybe defenses learn? And now in the illegal contact era, kids who have grown up playing football with that as a penalty that is called have now filled out the NFL. And now it's a, entire life learning thing like how they're trying to do with tackling and tackling head up instead of leading with the head like that'll take a generation to get rid of because there are going to be guys who've played like that their whole life maybe it's just better i've been watching football for the last 15 years very regularly and let me tell you tackling has changed yeah and that's because the kids who were watching it 15 years ago as um you know seven six-year-olds are making their way towards the league right now. Yeah. And the guys who are watching it when they were teenagers are in the league right now. And these things will change. Like you can, you can change the game. Like you don't, you know, I, I, this, the, the principal Skinner meme where it's like, do I need to change? No, it's the children who are at fault. The referees are doing that Mm -hmm. when they're saying like, well, clearly we have to do something different we're not calling this one penalty enough and it's not football unless you call this one penalty more, which is, is absurd. Yeah. So that was frustrating. And that's, that's the shift of the game. But I, I, I think at the core, like it can't be about that call. It it just can't be about that play. No, it absolutely about not. That yeah. call. That's not as a Packers fan is, as the Packers and I'm sure the Green Bay Packers are not looking back on this going like, oh, man, if we got that call, we win this game. No, um, if, if they're doing that as a coaching staff, they they should be. Uh, they, they should all be yeah, they, shot they into should, the sun. Yeah, um, probably try some sort of different, better career. But, 
Yeah, another another key play in this one, and this is one they will look at, was the muffed punt that uh, I mean it led to the Washington's first points. Amari Rogers muffs a punt, and uh, I tell you what, Matt, when you talk about players who are playing bad on Green Bay right now, Amari Rogers is playing terrible. Yeah, he's he's been really bad as a punt returner. There's there's been moments where you're like, that's a nice return, looks pretty good. He's just uh, inconsistent. Um, you know, and I, I will say, I didn't think he looked that bad as a receiver, uh, in the back half of this game, Lazard leaves with the shoulder injury. Uh, Rogers had a nice, had a nice catch on the sideline. Nice, nice catch and picked up five, 10 yards. He looked, he looked all right as a receiver, uh, as a yeah. punt returner. Good God. It's terrifying. Yeah. It's, it's really bad. And beyond just the, the ability to catch the ball and not muff the ball, but also the ability to determine whether or not you're going to call for a fair catch or, or you're going to try and make a return on a play. Like that is, that's bare minimum kind of stuff for, for special teams. And, you know, the, the kicker for it for me is that you bring in Rich Passaccia to coach your special teams. And there has been a difference. Like a lot of the special teams execution has gotten remarkably better the Packers are covering kickoffs and punts much better than they have in the past the uh there have been some some blocked field goals but right now you have a situation where the offensive line is is just falling apart uh a little bit of improvement on that this week uh, as opposed to last week but all the same like that's a that's a team-wide problem that's not a special teams problem just getting getting the play blocked up correctly uh Crosby I don't believe he's missed yet on the season like the things are going well there and then you've got a guy you've got one guy who through his own decision making is is making the whole unit look terrible and that's uh that's rough it's tough i think rich Passaccia said today like you know we're exploring other options but right now amari is the best that we have and we're you know excited for him and all the coach chatter sure. of, of of you know he, he's got a lot of talent he does um, Absolutely, and, and I, I think, I think absolutely he does. I still really like Amari Rogers as a receiver. He, he, I think they graded as a drop on the deep ball that Rogers threw him. That was overthrown. If you, if you got to dive for it, but you get your hands on it, that's tough. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I still like Amari Rogers. I don't think he should be off this team. I, I, I want to get that down pat. He's not doing great as a punt returner. Uh. The special teams as a whole hasn't been as disastrous as last year, but there's there's still some gaffes even outside of Amari Rogers. I mean, a, a punt blocked for a, a touchdown, some blocked field goals. That's that's hard to see. Um, but coverage wise, if it's not getting blocked, they've been damn good on on punts. So, yeah, special teams a bit of a problem in in this game. Penalties. A, a bit of a problem we've talked about talked about those things um i want to talk about just just that that general attitude that we've seen the giants jets and now commanders take into these games in in that you know one of the things that you've seen from i think especially from the from the uh from the jets and the commanders is just the ability to be more fired up to play and like this is something that like i do think that I'm not like off in fantasyville here. Like I'm not quite in like intangibles, grit and hustle territory with this stuff. Just the fact that like you, you have to play with some level of emotion 
and Green Bay, especially on the offensive side, uh, the, the main emotion that they're displaying is sort of frustration and confusion. And, you know, compare like Green Bay's inability to run the proper play and make a few mental mistakes and the way they react to that to, I don't know, say the Washington Commanders who lived through one of the worst quarters of football I've ever seen a quarterback play in Taylor Heineke in his first quarter. He was awful. And he put it right back together and, you know, got back to, uh, you know, a pretty effective version of himself. And, you know, there's a real difference there. Yeah, he 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 looked good, um, especially like outside of that second, third, fourth quarter. He looked totally fine. He outplayed Rodgers through that stretch. Yeah, it's, uh, a, it's an attitude thing, too. Yeah, it it you mess up. We watched Rodgers a couple times turn to the sidelines and mouth. He was screaming it, but on the TV screen, you're seeing him mouth it. What the fuck are we doing? And it's just like, I don't know, man, run the play. You know, and, and Sammy Watkins came out today and said, like, you know, there's a, a couple couple of plays that people have been saying Romeo Dobbs messed up on. That was actually me. I, I thought Aaron Rodgers was going to be on the same page as me, so I ran something other than the play. I was wrong. Man, he, he, go get him next time. This team is is statistically second best in the league between from the, the 1 to the 20 and in the red zone. They're behind Kansas City. Yeah, and they're they're in combing, between. They're combing through last week's garbage to try yeah. and find the answers to, which is nonsense. It, in between, in the middle of the field, they're like the worst team in football. It it's just an insane. One of them's going to revert to the mean, right? And I think it's the, I think it's the twenties. I think it's the red zone and and one to the twenty. I think those will revert to being bad. Uh, but they're just they're just making no improvements in the ways that you would expect them to look at the film and go like, we got to do this more. They're not doing it. They don't run play action. They don't run from under center, uh, which Rogers and LaFleur have said is like a thing with Rogers thumb, uh, which, Hey man, how bad's that thumb brother? It's gotta be pretty bad. If you can't do one of the quarterback things with it, if you can't do like a whole, all, like the majority of LaFleur's playbook, the last three years if you can't do that i don't know man what what are you doing here um you can throw it you can catch it it seems like you can take a snap to me i don't know yeah there, there's there's been there's been a lot of once again you know rogers cannot resist this tabloid stuff nowadays and my criticism with him like it's forming more into the fact that he cannot resist his tabloid stuff less so about like what he actually says to the tabloids since we've established that he has pudding for brains and he's clearly much 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 dumber than we ever suspected him yeah. of being but that's fine um you know we're, we're not this isn't jeopardy <laughs> you don't need to you don't need to know the capital of idaho in order to win uh, win games in the nfl but like this this inability to this inability to just move forward, this inability to be like, well, we have to figure who out who's at fault. No, you don't. I, I who, swear to you, you don't. Who cares? The Packers are at fault. You don't have to figure out who's at fault. You have to. If you're on the Packers, you're at fault. Yeah. Yeah. The whole team's whole team's it's the whole team's fault. 
You don't have to figure out who it was. You have to figure out what it was. Yeah, it's this it's, it's this absolute garbage where he's coming out and you know making sure that Pat McAfee and his his audience knows that like actually I was graded really high for this game. What the fuck are you talking that's, about? That's that's the most unbelievable shit that I've heard this season from him. Like that and is it, that's as dumb as anything he's ever said publicly. And it's it's you know, I don't think Rodgers played super well in this game. Were there some drops? Totally. Sure. Yeah. Some real bad ones. Some real bad ones that, you know, maybe make him look a lot better if those are caught. But hey, man, this, if this is your highest graded game of the year, brother, where are you getting? What's your baseline grade for the year? You know, what's your average? Because it's like below Daniel Jones on tier with a, a Daniel Jones. Matt Stafford, Matt Ryan level. Congrats, uh, it's your highest of the year. You're you're breaking into yeah. Trevor Lawrence territory, brother. I've I, seen a stat that grades him right about at the Kenny Pickett level. Yeah, this I, year. I, I've I've seen you know PFF grades and stuff having him in the low twenties yeah. uh, for for quarterback play this year, below Andy Dalton, um, which I'm looking at and going like, yeah, I, I don't. I don't really disagree. Uh, he's he's been bad, uh, but but God forbid that he look at his own play and say like, you know what, I'm getting paid fifty million dollars a year. I got to step it up. Yeah, uh, no. I, I am. I, I I'm baffled. And once again, like you you look at this, and this has been a trend with the coaching staff as well. Where I, I've how how many weeks now have we had to listen to Matt Lafleur talk about like. Oh, I totally understand that we need to get the ball to Aaron Jones more. I mean, against the Jets, it was nine carries. Against the Commanders, it's eight. Somehow he touched the ball less in a game that was a one-score game for the most of it. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's he had nine catches. So nine catches, ten targets. Like, the yeah. ball was in Jones's hand. But, hey, man, you – you have to still commit to running the ball. You have to run the ball. You it, there's it doesn't, I don't care. I, you know, there's no deep threat on this team. They're incredibly ineffective at throwing the ball deep. And that squishes the entire defense down towards the line of scrimmage. And that makes everything in the middle and the run game and the behind the line of scrimmage and at the line of scrimmage throws that they've been doing so much this year. Difficult. I get it. You still have to run the ball. You still have to. Almost more important than running the ball in this offense, you have to run play action. You have to run under the center play action. Put some stress on the defense. This Washington team, the whole week, you know, I'm watching uh, analysts talk about like, all right, well, what Washington struggles at is their linebacking core. You can take advantage of their linebackers. You can take advantage of their cornerbacks if you run a bunch of play action and attack the middle of the field. Pull them in different directions and attack there. They run like four play action snaps in this game um, and run the ball a total of 12 times with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Jones still has the nine catches. Great, but man... Well, even even together, you're talking about Jones with 17 touches for less than 80 yards. 
total on the game. Yeah, that's that the idea with a dynamic running back is that if you give him the ball enough, he makes things happen. Like he gets through. And you know, I, I've I've talked about this with my neighbor who's a diehard Bears fan. And you know, I, I tell him all the time, like the thing that drives me absolutely nuts about watching the Bears, last week's very good road win against New England, not included, is that the Bears seem to have no idea how bad they are. And they want to put a you know a quarterback behind an offensive line made out of sticks and have him take seven step dropbacks and just have him get absolutely teed off on all game long while he's looking for like a wide receiver to come open that's never going to come open because that wide receiver is not an NFL caliber player. And what drives me absolutely insane is like you know what would help a young offensive line that sucks running the ball? You know what would help a young team whose quarterback is just getting the absolute fucking shit knocked out of him every single game running the ball? <laughs> I think the same solution holds true for the Packers. Like, like I, you know, I don't, I don't know that you know, even guys like Lucas Patrick, who's been hurt and bad for the Bears, and he's definitely looked worse there than he did in Green Bay. Like, you know what he's good at? Run blocking. You know what he's decent at? Getting out in space. You know what that guy Tevin Jenkins, who they like a lot down in Chicago, is pretty good at? Getting out in space and blocking. Run the fucking ball. Like yeah. it, it's it's uh yeah, you know, we've become a passing league, but at the same time, like you have you help a young team and you help a team that's struggling by letting these guys play a little actual football instead of standing around wondering what they should have done better the last time they the last time they threw the ball. Oh, you were supposed to run this route or you were supposed to run this route. You got some plays out there where that involved like running at the guy and hitting him. Like those, those plays, they'll get you feeling better. Even if they don't work, they'll get you feeling better. You pick up five on first down after you've been struggling on a run play. It feels yeah. like you picked up 15. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, the one thing that I think about in, you know, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, do something that you know you can do, get out in space, block, is like this offense is so predicated on like you have to know what Aaron's thinking. And you get these mistakes from Sammy Watkins where he's doing what he thinks Aaron wants him to do that isn't the play. And it messes everything up and Aaron's pissed about it. And you go like, yeah, well, if part of your offense is predicated on telepathically communicating with your quarterback who will sometimes want you to do something that we haven't talked about in the play and is determined upon a look at the line of scrimmage yeah, man, you're going to have some fuck-ups. You're going to have some plays where the guy doesn't block when he's supposed to block because he gets a read. And on these plays, by the way, Sammy Watkins is wide open. Aaron doesn't throw it to him because Aaron didn't see it. Um, You're going to have some major fuck-ups in the offense. And it has to be some reining in of like, nope, we are running the plays as designed. If we do that, they will work. Even in the short and intermediate passing game, in the deep game, you run the ball run the plays exactly as they're designed unless there's a vocal audible at the line of scrimmage. Things can't be predicated on looks and glances when you've never played with any of these receivers before. Yeah, just the fact that we're talking about Sammy Watkins means something has gone wrong in the wide receiver court for the Packers. Something's gone astray. <laughs> yeah, we're talking, we're, we're celebrating Samari Torres' first catch in the NFL. And the, I like, was excited about that. Oh, it's I was awesome. excited about that. I was yeah, really happy excited. for him. Yeah, the 
the, the receiving core right now looks like Lazard isn't going to be able to go on Sunday after leaving the game uh, last time out. So your wide receiver core is is pretty much hopefully Sammy Watkins if he continues not falling apart. It's good to see him back. Amari Rogers, Amari Torre, Romeo Dobbs. Uh, Dobbs not as uh, four targets, no catches in this game. He has looked good in the first uh, first six. So for him to come out in game number seven. And uh, hit a wall a little bit is uh, is not at all surprising that happens to rookies. Yeah, and two of those two of those drops, two of those targets are one ball that he almost had to scoop out of the dirt because Rogers hesitated to throw to him when he's open on a uh, a third and short, and then the other one's the the fourth and one where Dobbs runs the go route is wide open when he's supposed to be blocking on a screen, and Dobbs gets smacked by the guy that Watkins was supposed to rub and block, and it's just like well you know. That would have been two conversions, but um, one was a terrible throw and one was a, he got smacked. So it, it, it's tough. Yeah, a lot, lot, of, lot of problems on the offense right now. Uh, uh, the defense, I still maintain this. The defense is playing really well. Yeah, Quay was- Walker leads this defense in tackles again. It, it was, you know, it was until that scoop and score f- fumble gets called back. I was watching the defense being like, man, they are playing so much different. They're playing so much faster. They're playing with like an energy and like a confidence. This looks great. Uh, And then that happened and the wheels kind of fell off a little bit. Um, But from that point on, like, it's not like the offense was giving them much of a breather. They weren't doing anything. No, and it's the third week in a row where the, the offense's inability to stay on the field is what's leading the Packers into trouble on the defense. They have been very good until the offense can't pick up first downs in the second half. And then they're just, or they're turning the ball over and putting the defense right back out on the field when they've already had to go out and work against a, you know, a capable NFL offense. Like this is an offensive league. Like you have to put your defense on the bench a little bit and let them rest because offenses win in this league. Yeah. It's, it's not a league where you get to just like, have a dominant defense there's really not much of that's really not a thing you can have in the nfl anymore no if your defense can hold a team to 21 points 20 24 points you got to find a way to win that game 20 24 points is the 13 points of 2008 it 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 just it's 24 points is what the 2004 Ravens, 2005 Ravens would hold teams to now. Yep. That's the equivalent. If you can do that every week, your offense has to find a way to win. That's a, that's a, that's a 3.0. That's a three run ERA. That's baseline status quo. If you can do that, you're doing really, really good. Yep. We saw Devondre Campbell uh, return an interception for a touchdown. Love to see that. Uh, Campbell remains uh, remains one of my favorite Packers free agent signings of all time. Uh, just a really fun player to watch. I really like what I'm seeing from the defensive line on this team. Uh, Dean Lowry is playing playing really well. Uh, Jaron Reed is playing fantastic for this team, and we've uh, we've seen Devontae Wyatt come in and start getting some snaps. As you know, he was a highly drafted, highly thought of rookie. You know, coming out with uh, with Quay Walker and Wyatt, 
he has shown some real hustle for a guy his size. I mean, that was the read on him is that he's an athlete who is also gigantic. And he had a chase down tackle in this game. He had uh, two tackles, both of them solo. Like this is a, you know, I, I have not seen enough of him to, to make any sort of determination on him, but like early, early snaps in your career for a, uh, for a down lineman, in the NFL, where like, I mean, that's the position where like, everyone that's blocking you is suddenly the best guy that was blocking you throughout the season, the, you know, in your college career yeah, for him to, for him to be able to make plays as a rookie like that. I think he's got some real potential. I think so too. I think that, you know, defensive linemen early on in their NFL career is the most difficult position to judge right away. If somebody pops year one, then somebody pops year one. Um, but it's it's understandable that guys get kind of pitch counts early on because in college you can dominate and take a few snaps off and you'll still dominate the guy across from you at 75% at 50%. In the NFL, you, you can't do that. Um, and so it's been good to see Devontae Wyatt get some snaps in. He's looked he's looked good when he's played Kingsley and Igbari, another sack. It's two weeks in a row with the yep. sack. He's been he's been a really good um Rashawn Gary leaves with the uh, with the concussion, so we'll see how that shakes out. Yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about Gary because I thought that was one of the areas where, when Washington was having success in the run game, they're running plays that key on Rashawn Gary, and I, uh, I, I'm at the same time that I'm super super impressed by how good he has gotten at pass rush. He, he gets upfield so so fast. And I think that Washington as a team was kind of keying on that and betting on him to, uh, to, to abandon his, uh, his, his gap in run coverage and betting on him to, uh, to just completely dive in inside and then to, uh, to run key plays out to the space that he had vacated. Saw them do that a couple of times and have a lot of success with that. So that's kind of the next step I want to see Rashawn Gary take is to uh, be a little bit smarter in run coverage, especially on downs that are not for sure passing downs. He's got, he's got this elite uh, pass rush skill. And, you know, that's going to be great if you want to be known as a, a pass rushing defensive end. But if you're an outside linebacker, edge rusher, like you've got to, You've got to add in on that, and I think what I think Washington was really smart to uh, to bet on him to uh, to to lose his uh, lose the edge out there a couple of times, and he did. Yeah, it's something Preston Smith's done well this year is kind of yeah knowing what to do, and he's just a veteran, you know. And and I think the the positive takeaway from Rashawn Gary on this is that he doesn't take plays off when he's in. He is going one hundred and ten percent. Is he doing it in the smartest way? situationally maybe not but it's not an effort thing it's a no absolutely it's also like not a skills thing it's a it's a iq it's a you know football situational knowing what are they going to run type of thing i don't think that it's a i don't think it's an effort or a skills thing at all it's it's just a young young dude he's in his third fourth year like he's not going to know everything yet yeah, and he's in, he's really in his first and a half year of being in yeah. every, you know, in every game, every down kind of uh, kind of guy who comes in and and starts as opposed to uh, you know, the platoons that they've had him in early in his career. I I'm, I continue to be impressed by this Packers defense and the way they have constructed it and the way they continue to find and identify talent. Uh, 
you know, these, these losses are bad. You don't like them, but at the same time, you know, you are looking at a, a situation for, for green Bay where not all of these are one possession games that they've lost. I mean, admittedly, like some, some of this is due to garbage points scored by the Packers late in these games, but at the same time, these are one possession games that, that you're dropping. And that's, that's something that you can fix. <laughs> it's like, you don't have to be in full panic mode right now. I know a lot of Packers fans are like, Oh God, you know, we're doomed. Like, like this is going to be a, a, a collapse season. And Oh boy, that's on the table. Don't get me wrong. You know, you have a, you have a full lost season watch going on at the moment but you don't have like a full loss season warning going on at the moment, especially not in the absolute clown division that the, the Packers find themselves in. Like all hope is not lost here. These are one possession losses that um, marginally better play from the offense can turn into wins. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I think what's important to note about this is I, I look at this team and I go like, this team's a lot better than 2016 team. Uh, even with Aaron Rodgers' dip as a, as a quarterback, you know, being, in five, six, seven years older, I still look at this team and go like, this is, uh, they're a lot better than 2016. And they went to the NFC championship game. You know, that, that team was what four and six. Roger says, we're going to run it, run the table, finish 10 and six, make the NFC championship game. You know, I, I think this team's better. So, you know, is that going to happen again? (laughs) I will I will make no promises. Yeah. I will I will not say they're gonna run the table. And I'd say if I were a betting man, I think this team's finishing nine and eight. Um and maybe makes the playoffs if they're lucky. But it, winning this division is still completely in reach. You still have two games against the Lions left. You have one against the Bears, one against the Vikings. There's a way there's there's a there's a path to winning the the division that's still there. The Vikings are I believe five and one, um, six and one, maybe. Yeah, they're they're good. You, you can gain some ground on that. You can make it through a wild card. Like this, this, this team's not dead yet. Uh, they could be soon. Uh, they play the Bills on Sunday, which is that's tough. Oh, the Bills are very good, and there's still there's a lot of improvement that you can make, even in a game where, um, you know, from from our perspective, like you're not the cheese heads in Chicagoland position is, is not like, Oh, you, you know, this is not a must win game for green Bay. This is a, but this is absolutely a must compete game. Like you have to run some offense that makes fucking sense. You have to give, you have to give your defense a chance to sit down on the bench every once in a while, because uh, Josh Allen is going to be running and or throwing at them for the rest of the time while they're out on the field and that it can be exhausting. Um, the Bills are fantastic. I I love watching them this season. They're so good. They're really good, but I you know I will say I think this defense is perfectly constructed to match and counter yeah. what the Bills do well. They throw the ball a bunch. They never run the ball, and run defense is this defense's weakness. All of this team's strengths match up flawlessly and perfectly with the Buffalo Bills. If you if you are so inclined, have Quay Walker spy on Josh Allen the entire game. Quay or Devondre Campbell, I'm I'm inclined for that. I I would love 
just telling Quay Walker, like, your job is to watch Josh Allen. And if he runs, go tackle him. I would, That's- I would. I would think that would be a fantastic use of a uh, of, of a hard hitting athletic rookie inside linebacker. Yeah. Just time. instinctually yeah. respond to what he does. He's not yep. gonna he's not gonna fool you as a runner. He's a big strong dude. You're no, he's gonna stronger. come straight at you. He's coming straight at you, and you're bigger, stronger, and faster. Uh, that I mean, it, this team should run a bunch of of match Jair on Stefan Diggs. Let the rest of the chips fall where they may. Run some, some cover too. Oh, that was the other up. thing that that was the other. Just do thing. that all game. Yeah. The other thing that the Commanders did that I like, they really challenged Jair Alexander all game long, all um, game long, and I love that. That's yeah. I I I've never really liked any team who just refuses to engage. You know, someone who's regarded as a shutdown cornerback. Like, go find out if he's having a shutdown game or not. And here's the thing is like, there's two plays that I remember from this game from Terry McLaurin on Jair Alexander. Both of them are perfectly placed balls. One of them's a duck yeah, you know, on that last throw, but Jair's there. That ball fits. That touchdown throw is just about as good of as good as a throw can be. And then that final one that all but sealed it to Terry on the, on the sideline is it's a duck, but Man, it's it's sliding in a couple inches above Jair's hand, and that's that. He's getting hit as he gets tackled out of bounds. As he catches it, challenge him. If you if you believe your quarterback can fit it in that window, have him fit it in that window. And the commanders had nothing to lose, and they did it. Yeah, now I, I like the idea of uh, of challenge, challenging a top cornerback because uh, I I think yeah, without perfectly placed balls, like that's something that you know, Jair can win. I like, I like those matchups. I like strength on strength. <laughs> like, you know, Josh, Josh Allen versus Quay Walker. I love these ideas. Like this is what it's all about. And I like seeing Terry McLaurin have a little bit of success. I, the high school he played at uh, cathedral high school is a sort of a perennial private Catholic school in Indiana. I, I cover them a lot. They actually have a, they play uh, the high school whose games I do play by play for on uh, on friday nights they've had a, a four-year uh, contract with them and so cathedral comes up and beats the absolute fucking shit out of Penn every week uh, you know once a year but uh that's uh that's neither here nor there but all the same yeah yeah he's from a he's from a good uh good good football program in in indiana and uh yeah he's someone that uh you know our the company i work for we publish a like a football almanac and he's been on the cover he's been you know he's someone that uh yeah, you know, that the bosses around here know and all that. So, he, yeah, he's incredible. Do you see uh, Jay Sternberger's tweet? I have not. Uh, Jay Sternberger, the Packers tight end selection, uh, the year that Terry McLaurin was drafted. Um, I think believe that the Packers picked Jay seventy fifth. He's out of the league now. Um, picked at seventy sixth was uh was Terry McLaurin uh, to the Washington Commanders. Um. And Jay Sternberger tweeted, man, why didn't the Packers take Terry McLaurin? Why indeed? <laughs> Great question, Jay. Yeah. Uh, we all were thinking it at the time. Yeah, uh, you you did you did show me that tweet. I was not aware that it was from Jay Sternberger, the guy yes, who they actually I, drafted. I, I I love I love Jay Sternberger's a fun follow on Twitter because he's just tweeting about the Packers. Kevin King is my favorite follow on Twitter. Um Kevin King is tweeting just like us. Okay, Kevin good. King is is tweeting like, 
Hey, come on, ref. That's a bad call. <laughs> they got to get Aaron Jones the ball more. Yeah. We got we to gotta, we gotta run more play action. Dang, Jair is really good. <laughs> I'm just imagining him on a couch just like me. Yeah. <laughs> just watching the game a couple beers deep, letting him fly. Hopefully a nicer couch. I would hope so. He's made a, he's made some more money than I have. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's just tweeting alongside everybody else, and I love it. Uh, yeah, uh, Kevin King, open invitation. Come on, Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. Uh, we're the best podcast about your favorite team, the Green Bay Packers. Uh, it was it was another another good week in in NFL football. Arizona got a win at New Orleans. I have nothing to say about that. Cincinnati won at home against Atlanta. Nothing to say about that. Uh, have you seen the Cowboys play yet this year, Matt? I have. Yeah. Are they, are they for real? No, not absolutely not. Okay, good. Thank I you. I don't, I, I want to make it clear. <laughs> I, I do want to make this about as clear as possible. I don't believe in really any team right now outside of the bills and chiefs that are like five and two or six and one, or the, you know, the Eagles are six and zero, six and oh, I don't believe in any of them. I don't believe in the Dolphins at four and three. I do believe in the Chiefs. I don't believe in the Seahawks at four and three. Uh, I don't believe in the Jets at five and two at all, especially after the Brees Hall injury. I believe in the Ravens at four and three. That that feels like an undershot. Um, Giants at six and one. I don't believe in that at all. It's Titans four and two. Sure, that seems. Derek Henry's going to run the ball down your throat. Cowboys at five and two. I just can't believe in that. Um. It's a lot of madness around the NFL right now. And I don't think any of the teams that won a lot of games are actually any good. And it feels like very similar to the first year of Mitch Trubisky being a starter. <laughs> um, you know, when the Bears were like 10 and six and everybody was like, the Bears are winning. And it was like, yeah, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're a bad team with an easy schedule. Um, and they're not doing a ton of things right, but they're squeaking out games. Uh, and then they lost in the playoffs, and that's it. Um, and that's what a lot of these teams remind me of. That's, that's all. I think. I think the. I think the Bucks are going to figure things out. I think a lot of the historically good teams are going to figure things out. It's a weird year in the NFL, though. Yeah, I'm. I'm looking at this Eagles schedule, and I've heard people say like, "Well, it's going to get tough out here on out for uh, for Philadelphia." Uh, they play the Steelers this week. They're at the Texans the next week. They play the Commanders the week after that. Then they're at the Colts versus the Packers versus the Titans at the Giants at the Bears at the Cowboys versus the Saints versus the Giants. Where does it get harder for them? Doesn't get harder. The Giants are not a hard one for them. Like uh, uh, the Eagles team could win 14 games. I'm still not looking at this Eagles team and going like that's the Super Bowl favorite because a regular season record has almost nothing to do with your playoff performance because you can get a schedule like that. I know it's, it's any given Sunday, but if you draw, you have that division and you draw that schedule of you get the Packers in this year and you get the Steelers. Come on, man. <laughs> I don't, I don't think that's for real. Yeah. Similarly graded quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers and Kenny Pickett. Yeah. Kenny Pickett uh, sounds like one of those absolutely generic, completely replacement level country, uh, country stars. Yeah. I I'm pretty sure he's got an album out. I, I probably, I probably get some people fooled. Like, man, did you go to that Kenny Pickett concert? <laughs> I'll be like, yeah, I was totally there. 
I love that one about his his tractor. Yeah, that that one about his dad is yeah. is really a oh, tearjerker. Uh, Tennessee beats uh, the Colts. Tennessee, you mentioned them. Uh, that's my take on them as well. Derrick Henry is a beast. He runs the ball down your throat. Uh, Carolina beat the shit out of Tampa Bay, and so everyone assumes that the Buccaneers are completely cooked. Um, I don't I don't know that the Buccaneers are completely cooked as much as uh, Carolina just feels like playing football now that uh, now now that they have a coach who's whose most important observation isn't Pepsi tastes like Pepsi 24 hours a day. Yep. <laughs> I think they're just happy to play for someone who isn't a complete fucking group. Yep. I think that's it. <laughs> yeah. It helps. It's, uh, it's it's why the Phillies are in the World Series. They went, wait, you fired that fucking idiot. Yeah. All right. We'll play now. We'll play now. Yeah, my, my two favorite my two favorite sort of like non profanity insults are Rube and Herb. Yeah. And they mean like about herb. they about they mean about well, you're in New York, the birthplace of Herb. Yeah. yeah uh, they mean about the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Giants beat Jacksonville on the road. That's a uh, that's a good win. Anytime you get on to Jacksonville and do anything yeah. good, that's... you've had a better time than me when I've been in Florida. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, Baltimore beats Cleveland in a close one. Uh, I like the Ravens. Uh, Me too. Uh, Lamar Jackson is good. New York Jets beat uh, beat Denver. Uh, we talked about Russell Wilson and the uh, the ongoing Broncos thing. That that game added nothing to that discussion that we didn't touch on. Uh, Las Vegas beats Houston, a a good California for the Raiders, I guess, and they get the win. Uh, Seattle, the Geno Smith era is coming together. Um, I got I got to ask you, just like. Where did Geno Smith come from? Because the last I remember hearing about Geno Smith was he was basically the laughing stock of the New York Jets. Like a teammate punched him in the face and everyone was like, yeah, he had it coming. Yeah, I what on earth? I don't know. Really? I don't. I wasn't hyper invested when Geno was drafted and, and when Geno was coming up into like. NFL football and film and breakdowns everything like that there's been some good like pieces on gino recently and i can i can i can send them to you and everything but about like this was kind of always there this was this was him playing on the jets the giants uh which got uh i think it was bob mcadoo fired as he started gino over eli yes because he was like gino's better than eli now um he played on like a bunch of really bad teams and in those positions was like, I got to take shots because my best wide receiver is God knows who I'm trying to think of who that like 2015 jets receiving core was 2014 jets receiving core. Um, nobody good. I can promise you that. Yeah, Not, not anyone that you'd like to remember. No. Uh, and same with the giants and Eli towards the end of Eli. I mean, they had OB Odell Beckham, but he was hurt pretty consistently. Um, and he kind of bounced around in similar situations to that of like bad team, no weapons, bad defense. You have to take shots to try and keep your team in the game. And now he's in the Seahawks where he has Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf and a, de- and a decent defense and a decent running game. And an all right to not bad coach in Pete Carroll, not the worst coach in football and also not the best. Uh, and just a series of like, hey, you don't have to do everything to win the games has made him be able to go like, oh, I can just play quarterback now. I don't have to be the hero and try and take a bunch of shots to win games. Uh, and he's, he's looked 
fucking great this year. And I think it gives the Seahawks an ability to be like, we're not, we don't have to draft a quarterback next year. We're four and three. We're probably not getting into Bryce Young, CJ Stroud territory with pick one and pick two. Uh, we can sit back for a year and we can give Gino another prove it year. And if he proves it, you know, it's kind of similar to Ryan Tannehill, who was dreadful down in Miami, came to Tennessee, got in the right system, and has been almost like Andy Dalton line level of like, you know, he could he he might be able to win you a playoff. He might be able to win you a playoff game. He's he's good enough if you put the the crew around him, he can win you something. Uh, and I I think Gino can kind of settle into that. I don't think that uh, I don't think he'll have a Drew Brees type resurgence. You know how, how how Drew Brees left the Chargers and became a superstar. Yeah, six seven years into his career. Um, but I I can totally see Gino having a, a Ryan Tannehill type of of bounce back after this. He's looked he's looked really 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 good this year. Kansas City wins on the road at San Francisco by twenty one. Miami beats uh, beats Pittsburgh in a game that was fairly entertaining. Nice to see Tua back out on on the field. Miami's going to be a feel-good story this year, uh, regardless of how the actual results turn out. And then, yeah, Chicago wins convincingly on the road against New England. Um, quarterback you know, controversy. I, yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> you want you you want a bad quarterback or a bad quarterback? Yeah, you want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bill Belichick finds himself in the classic quandary of having two quarterbacks, which means he has none. Uh, <laughs> neither looked particularly good against uh against chicago's defense meanwhile uh tell you what i justin fields is uh is a good quarterback i'm not uh i laugh at the bears all the time because they're a hilarious clown franchise uh you go mm-hmm. completely made out of made out of idiots and com- like that's just designed for comedy but at the same time like uh fields runs for 82 yards in this game uh montgomery carries the ball 15 times what do you know about that a running back carrying the ball double digit amount of times and then another running back khalil herbert carries the ball uh, another 12 times 45 rushes for 243 yards in this game uh for the chicago bears and i tell you what that is the kind of thing where if you can run like that you don't get stuffed and you're not constantly playing from behind and you're going to find yourself in a situation where your your terrible garbage offensive line made out of spare parts all of a sudden is at least like having a good time out there and getting some forward momentum and that lets fields throw uh you know for 179 yards as well like that's that's good <laughs> it keep keeps the it keeps the opportunities for Justin Fields to make the stupidest mistakes in the history of the NFL to a minimum because boy when he fucks up he just finds the, the most amazing way to do it I I think the key to this game for the Bears is they doubled their designed runs for Justin Fields mm-hmm. for the season it doubled their season total in one game uh and I think that's the key is like Oh, you have a hyper athletic quarterback who's still learning the position, but as he's learning the position, he has no offensive line and no real receiving weapons. Maybe use that athleticism because he's a talented runner Uh, and, and he can grow into that when he has weapons and an offensive line. Uh, And, and that's a, that's the key is just find a way to get fields, the ball in space. Just roll roll him out, do the Daniel Jones treatment, give him that because he's better than Daniel Jones. Yeah, truly. I mean, that doesn't doesn't take a whole lot. This is kind of the last topic I, I want to hit on before we say farewell, as we're I'm I'm at least watching the uh, the, the Bucks try to 
try to mount some sort of comeback against the Ravens here on Thursday night football, but I don't think they got it. Uh, but anyway, uh, just this idea of saving guys, because we talked about this last week. Oh, we have to, you know, we have to make sure Aaron Jones doesn't get worn down. Oh, we have to make sure that this, you know, we have to make sure that Justin Fields doesn't take too many shots running downfield. Like, um, I don't know if I believe in that kind of thing, especially like when you are a bad franchise that comes across a incredibly talented player who can help you. Like, especially if you are the bears who is owned, who are owned by morons. Like you are, if you are saving, if you are on the bears and you are saving a guy, you are saving a guy for when you get fired. You don't have a chance in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, I, I totally get it with the quarterback who you should be seeing as a long-term investment. I don't, I still can't believe the bills do what they do with Josh Allen. It seems like the craziest fucking thing I've ever seen in football to have him run. And uh, he's essentially like, I'm not sliding. I'm running through you. Yeah. They've, they've, they've turned him loose. And it's, it's winning them football games, but I'm like, man, you can't, we saw what happened to Cam Newton. He had a couple of years. He had, five, six good years of that. And then the wheels fell off at 33. Yep. And you can't do that to Josh Allen. You you need to, you need to save that man. Um, but man, for the bears, I'm like, eh, you don't have any other options for offense. So left fields get loose and also tell him to slide, but let him, let him get loose a little bit. Oh yeah. And get, you know, there's, there's ways of doing it. That's a little bit smarter. Like you, you know, you don't have to, you should, you should definitely be telling Josh Allen, like, Slide down, man. <laughs> Slide. Don't run through yeah. a linebacker. I know you can. Please don't do it. Yeah, don't put your head anywhere near an NFL defensive uh, defensive end. Don't 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 do that. Yeah, we saw what the, almost yeah. we saw what Anthony Barr almost did to him a couple of years oh. ago. Stay away from that. Yeah, get this down. Is, yeah, this is where I'm torn. Yeah, I I was curious about your perspective because it is very much like like the NFL is is kind of fraught with with this idea of like it's a very dangerous game to play and it's very you know it's very bad for people's long-term health to get multiple concussions and when i say very bad i mean like you know it's like what nfl veterans are experiencing right now is an almost unbelievable crisis like the 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 cte like what we're learning about that and what we're seeing in, in former players uh, it's 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 appalling and it, it, it presents like very, very deep and profound ethical questions for like, you know, pretty much everything except for a, a not-for-profit uh, podcast hosted by two guys who are in New York and Chicago, but every other aspect of professional football is of course called into doubt by what we're seeing right now. I mean, try to watch Herschel Walker speak for more than 10 seconds and, and, you know, it, the, but at the same time, like if you're going to play the game, you got to play to win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you're here to win. You're making the millions of dollars to win. Uh, and that sucks. But like, that's, you know, I don't know. That's kind of the, kind of the trade-off. And like, if football is going to exist, that's the trade-off yeah. is, is the money for the health. Uh, and that sucks. And should it exist? That's a much longer question for a podcast that's recording at eleven eleven p.m. Yeah, it's uh, it's too late to bring to bring that up. Too now. late for me to spend much time on that. But I will say, you got to play the cards you dealt. 
and the cards you're dealt are yeah. the NFL is paying you millions of dollars to win a game, and you're trading away years sixty plus, uh, essentially. That sucks. I don't know. If get out if you don't want to do it. I I'm sorry. I don't know. Yeah, I just I just have this I have these moments where like I I watch football. I watch it every week. I love football. Um, it's a huge part of my life, uh, personally and professionally, and it should probably be banned. I, I completely agree. I don't <laughs> think it should exist. I I I'm pretty frequently like I think 2032 the NFL will no longer exist. I it it just feels like there's in our lifetimes it will not exist anymore. Yeah. Uh, and there'll be some flag football thing that crops up, but I I I feel pretty confidently in our lifetime before I'm 50, the NFL will no longer exist. Um, but so, Something that the small colleges around me are doing right now, and I haven't seen a game, but uh, do you know what sprint football is? No idea. It is football with a weight limit, and it is not a big weight limit. It is under 200 pounds. Interesting. I think it's 170 interesting 11 on 11 exact same rules the most you can weigh is 175 interesting right i i i i think i would like that it's 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 a it's a, it's an idea for sure sure yeah it's just uh you know i know enough physics to know that like a lot of the computations that you that you do when you're determining how hard one thing hits another thing involves the weight of those two things hitting yeah. each other that's about you know that's about all i have on that subject but uh yeah sprint football uh, it's 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 out there because I've, I've never i've never like you know a lot of schools are like or oh, we're playing we're playing eight man and that's who cares sure. you know eight man is just three less guys but uh this is you know actually a revision on the rules that i think is is interesting and uh probably a lot safer to play than than the nfl level game but uh yeah it's bills it's bills coming up this week that's that's going to be fascinating uh all i want the packers to do is come out and uh and try to push the buffalo bills around a little bit on the road because uh you know i'd I don't know how much more motivation you need if you're Green Bay right now. Like you're kind of the laughing stock. Like everyone's, you know, kind of pointing at you and pointing at your your dipshit quarterback and and going like you all sound like a bunch of morons and you're playing terribly right now. Uh, I mean, I don't I don't know that like you can have a more accurate and more scathing national media attention on a team right now. So go out and uh, try to show the Bills that uh, that you you actually mean a little business. Love to see it. Yeah, and a, a win over the Bills, you know, it doesn't doesn't mean a ton. It's not like this is a weighted victory like college football to get into their playoffs. No. It means the same as a win over the Commanders uh, for, yep. for for division standings. Uh, but man, does it feel a lot better? Yeah, it sure would feel a lot better. Yeah, it feels a lot better for your team. All right, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are probably not going to have enough to win this game, so we're going to leave it at that for um, for this week. Um, I've been Mike. That's been Matt. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm on Twitter. You can you can find me. I have a professional account and a non-professional account. Uh, we we're not really doing doing social media anymore. But after the Buffalo Bills game, at some point next week, we will find time in our schedule to come back and talk to you once again 
about Packers at Bills and everything else that's going on in the NFL that is worth swearing about. Um, that's it. There's a catchphrase. Stay cheesy, baby. That's the catchphrase. Ah.